0: Hey everybody! First off, today I'd like to thank each and every one of you for making "Chris Makes a Podcast" such a rousing success. Uh, I, I couldn't do it without you, the listeners. Uh, it's been an amazing ride so far, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, as most of you know, I uh, I play guitar and sing for the band Less Than Jake. Uh, and most of the guests so far uh, on the podcast have been uh, guests from uh, the punk and ska world. Uh, and you know, since the the beginning, the origins of the show, I've uh, uh, always wanted to, to branch out and get into other styles of music. Uh, I'm fascinated by songwriting. Uh, any genre, any style of music, as long as it's a good song and there's a great story, uh, I want to talk about it. And uh, Christofalios brought up an artist from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, named Sierra Sellers. Uh, Sierra is an amazing. Uh, singer, um, comes from a uh, R&B and soul background and uh, she picked her song Grown to discuss today Uh, Sierra wanted to make a song where the bass was the driving force Um, her lyrical inspiration uh, for this song was uh, uh, she was pissed off at her boyfriend on the day that she was writing it which is always good for inspiration Uh, Grown is uh, about not being too grown to cuss somebody out when you're upset Uh, she chose Grown because it was the most relevant to when she was 19 years old and living on Ophelia Street in the Oakland part of Pittsburgh. Uh, Sierra said that she liked to share with young women that it's not impolite to stand up for yourself and speak your mind. Sierra considers herself an old soul and her voice sounds very mature for her 25 years of age Sierra compared lyrics to tarot cards and that the listeners can interpret the lyrics to mean what they need them to mean And uh, Sierra and I had a lot of parallels in our lives that uh, that we talked about during the show Uh, Both of us came from households that encouraged music Uh, We both played sports and considered college sports uh, But sports eventually took a backseat to music Uh, But the parallels stopped there uh, when she said that uh, she was shy, which I am definitely Definitely not. Uh, And she also talks about how she's had to work very hard to get over stage fright. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Um, Sierra, are you, are you in Sawickley right now? No. You're not? Okay. <laughs> Do you live not. there anymore?
1: <laughs> I don't. No, you no.
0: <laughs> For yeah. those listeners that don't know, uh, Sawickley is, uh, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, that's where, uh, Sierra was, is a native of, I'm reading, uh, her bio from WYEP, a public radio station in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I've read a lot about you. Okay. I've done my research. Um, so, uh, are, are you in Pittsburgh?
1: I am in Pittsburgh. Yes.
0: Cool, cool. Sierra chose the song uh, "Grown," which was released uh, this past uh, January, and um, yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about this particular track. Uh, like, what uh, set it up? Where, where were you at? What were you? Where, what was your uh, frame of mind when you uh, when you wrote it?
1: Um, so I was at the studio. Um, At a studio in Northford Sales, and I was working with uh, Ryan Tedder and Aaron Karsh, um, AKA The Dropouts. And we were looking for um, a song. I I told them that I I wanted like a bass heavy song, like the bass to be the driving force instead of, you know, like four on the floor drums. And um, so they came up with this somewhat simple beat and i was sitting there writing into it and honestly i was so pissed off that day (laughs) (laughs) i was so irritated with my boyfriend at the time and you know i'm 25 years old i was 23 or 24 when i wrote the song and um there's this idea that like you always have to be mature all the time as an adult, and like sometimes you just get so pissed off where you're like, you know what, I am not too grown to cuss somebody out and act a fool when I'm upset, and that's <laughs> what the song is really about. And um, yeah, it just came from a place of frustration of, you know, just being fed up.
0: I got you. Well, you give me permission to act like a twelve-year-old today. That's good. Um, (laughs) And some, and sometimes, uh, you know, the best inspiration for a song uh, is pain or is Mm -hmm. anger. You know, that'll get you to a place where 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 a pen goes to paper real quick and it kind of spills out. Um, Now, when you heard the bass groove, which I love, I think it's awesome. Um, And was that something written by by the Dropout uh, production team?
1: originally yes but then johnny good um he did his own little version of it um okay. so that's live bass on there by johnny good
0: it sounds like it. it didn't sound program it sounds like it's yeah, actually, yeah that's awesome um so you you heard the bass groove um and you were pissed at your boyfriend and then <laughs> from there from there did you did you kind of Uh, did it happen quickly or did you kind of write a verse and sit on it and come back the next day? Do you, do you recall?
1: Oh no, I wrote it probably within like an hour, hour and a half. And it was recorded within like two, two hours, two hours. Yeah.
0: That fast.
1: Yeah. I'm when, when I have a concept and you know, the idea that I have the concept I have matches what I feel. I'm a fairly, um, quick writer because okay. it's just I mean I, I don't try to overthink it because I mean you you said before that the best inspiration or music comes from like how you're feeling or from pain and so if I just write honestly then I don't have to think about it I just write how I feel so I literally what I wrote was how I felt and somewhat what i said to my boyfriend at the time it was funny too because i i came home from the studio in like a completely different mood just so happy and excited about this song and i wanted him to hear it he just looked at me like this is about me i was like nah. <laughs>
0: what what did he what did he think of it what was his reaction
1: he he was like this is really good but he smiled like this is about me right and i was just like no 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 don't yeah. worry about it this is, really good. This, is really
0: good. <laughs> this is really good, but I'm a bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so when you put pen to paper, you said it was done within like an hour or so. How different did anything change when you got in front of the microphone? Because a lot of times when you, when, you know, I know when I write, um, I'll, I'll blast some lyrics out real quick, or, you know, and I'll think they're great. And, you know, they very well could be great um, but I get up to try to sing them and there'll be a word that just doesn't sing right or there's too many syllables was it pretty much all there or did you have to go and, and, and tweak a couple of things
1: um, I know exactly what you're talking about I do that often um, but for this song it was it was pretty simple the, um, the harmonies though I the way I sing the song live is how I wrote it the harmonies in the song um, at the part where it's like you, if that yeah, part. The, where it's mm-hmm. like super breathy. Um, Ryan Tedder, one of the producers, he was like, Let me just try something. And he kind of directed me on that part. Well, not kind of, he did direct me <laughs> on that, that breathy pre chorus.
0: Okay. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I have in my notes here. That's what what I would call a pre-chorus, that that part. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, when you um, got in there and, and you got, you said you, you tracked the song pretty quickly. So did you, I know you wrote the lyrics, did, did the production team, did they come up with the arrangement or were you involved with that with like, Hey, this is going to be the first verse. This is the pre-chorus.
1: Um, I, I did that. And oh. I mean, they basically, we just started completely from scratch. Like it was a fairly, I think the whole session might've been like three hours, Wow. Because it was just like bass, drums, keys.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't picture that. I mean, there's not, you know, the structure of this song is, is and this isn't a bad word or a bad thing. It's, it's pr- a pretty straightforward, simple, uh, mm-hmm. a- arrangement. You know, you got your first verse, uh, after a, a short intro, the pre-chorus, the breathy part you were speaking of. Um, it goes to the first chorus, comes right back to a second verse, your pre-chorus, uh, then your second chorus, and then basically it goes back to the verse where you you have your out- outro where you you just repeat the refrain of "ain't too grown might be grown" two times. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's it doesn't go to like a bridge crazy departure. Um, and was so was the arrangement. If you if you I'm I'm assuming if you did it that quick. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the arrangement kind of was what it was. You didn't really like have time to overthink it.
1: No, and I didn't feel like it needed it. I mean, a lot of. Um one of the um, examples I gave during that session was um, BMO, Break Me Off by Ari Lennox. Sleeping all day, cheap and, Bitty, okay. to- and if you listen to that song, it's a very similar structure and it's a driving line as opposed to... Um, you know, our, are more full sounding song, mm-hmm. it's, there's something about it that's um, hollow yet comforting. Like yeah, it, it punches you in the gut, but it doesn't necessarily like, it. I don't know. It's difficult to describe. It's simple, but I think it makes the point.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there needed to be anything more. And I've listened to the song now probably a dozen times and it's, it's just so catchy and it just works. And, um, it's two minutes and 52 seconds, which it's interesting. There's some songs that are like five minutes, but don't seem like they're that long. And then there's other songs. This is a pretty short song, but it feels so complete that I was surprised. I thought this was way over three minutes. I, I couldn't believe the time when I went I listened to it the first time. Um, and I think you're right. To me, that I think that the uh, it stands on its own. It didn't need a departure bridge part or some breakdown part or anything. I think it would have taken away from, from what, what's there.
1: Yeah, it was... Um... It was pretty raw. It was a raw, raw day, raw session.
0: And now you, you picked this song and, uh, I'm just going to point, point blank. What, you know, and you have a number of tunes that I, that I checked out online. Why this one? Why, why, did, why did you feel that you wanted to, to discuss this song besides it's about your boyfriend?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, although I wrote this at a different time about a different situation, um, Upon reflection about my EP Ophelia and what that is about, grown is the most relevant song um, to that period of my life. Um 19 years old partying. Well, my version of partying, which is like a beer or two, <laughs> on Ophelia <laughs> Street in Oakland. Um where, you know, I have this newfound independence and freedom, and I feel like I'm grown. But if my dad knew where I was at and what I was doing, my A star star would be beat. So it's this like paradigm of, you know, transitioning from childhood or adolescence into young adulthood. Um, And that's also what the song is about. It's like the first verse is, um, I'm not too grown. So if you kind of look at the second verses from my perspective, I'm not too grown to hurt your feelings. Um, I'm not too grown to do this or that. And the second verse is you're not too grown, as in we, the young people, aren't too grown to get corrected, to learn something because we haven't learned everything yet.
0: (laughs) Right. It's interesting that you meshed that idea um, with being angry with your boyfriend, and it kind of mm-hmm. they were they were able to come con- come together and be congruent w- within the context of the song.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean that, that um time on Ophelia and that time when I was 19 years old, I had gotten out of um a pretty bad relationship. You know, when you're that young, you think that your boyfriend or your girlfriend is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So it was pretty devastating to me when I found out quickly that was not the case. And I was treated, um, you know, pretty poorly in that relationship and it took a lot of maltreatment, if you will, um, to stand up for myself. And, um, my manager asked me the other day, he's like, if you could teach somebody, something. And I I mentioned that I I would love to share, um, with young women that it's not impolite to stand up for yourself. It's not impolite to, um, speak your mind and say, you will not treat me this way. I deserve better. And if you're not going to treat me better then you are not welcome in my space in my life.
0: Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, uh it's gotta feel good to kind of have that that self-empowerment about yourself, that realization.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so you know, the first uh first verse is, ain't too grown to hurt your feelings might be grown, but it's appealing. Ain't too grown. Don't get it twisted. Might be grown, but ain't shit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's so funny. Cause like I was, I was watching the video and like that came across and I was like, Whoa, she just said shit, you know, but <laughs> like, and you, I just didn't picture that in this, in this type of song. And I don't, I don't know any other way to say it than that. It kind of, kind of struck me, but, but, um, it, that word needs to be there though. It really drives Mm -hmm. it home. It really drives it home to what, what you're saying. And it kind of, kind of keeps it raw.
1: Yeah. It's like, I'm nice, but don't play with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing. That's exactly what it means. I I, see, I see your angelic face in the video and you're smiling and, you know, and then, and then that comes out of your mouth. Um, And and, and I I noticed when reading your bio um, of some of your uh, uh, influences, uh, uh, destiny's child being one of them. And, uh, uh, you know, very familiar with them and, and their production is just insane. Um, did you, when you got into the production of this song, obviously the, the, the baseline was uh, kind of what, uh, what, what started it off, the inspiration. Um, and then as the track was building, did you talk with the production team, the, the dropouts, did you talk with them about what you wanted it to sound like or, or how you wanted it to, to, to feel production wise?
1: So every producer that I've worked with is like completely different. (laughs) There are some sessions that I go into and they play me songs and I just pick from them. And that's how we work best together. There are some producers where I go into the studio and I play along with them or I sing what I want the bass to be or mimic how I want the drums, things like that with these guys I've worked with Aaron Karsh specifically since about 2015 or 16. Okay. And um, he knows very much what chords I like, what sounds I like. And um, Ryan Tedder is just a a beast. (laughs) Like He is just... I mean, they both are, but Ryan... um, is a very hard worker and understands so much. So those two together, they're a force. So this session, I just gave examples of what songs that I was interested in at that time. And quite frankly, I was a little distracted by my own personal situation that I kind of sat back in this session as far as the production side of it and was like, I like that. I don't like that.
0: So, so they, um, you know, like I said, I was talking about production a moment ago. Um, you know, destiny's child they had three vocalists and their production was very interesting with vocals. And I noticed that, especially when it got to the pre, uh, course you were speaking of the breathy part, the you, if you only mm-hmm. knew what I do for you, you, if you only knew what I do for you, repeats it twice. Um, I noticed that, um, your, your vocals go, go into stereo mode where like they're in the right and left speaker. If you know. I do, I you, if not, I know. And then they'll come I back mean. center with your lead vocal. And it's like kind of going in and out. And that was a really, really cool, cool vocal thing. And uh, I'm assuming that's something that the, the dropouts brought to the table.
1: Yeah, that that part specifically was Ryan. I remember him being really focused at that time. And was kind of just like, I want to try something, trust me. And I did, and I loved it. Um, And I thought that he was like, just make it as breathy as possible. (laughs) And so there were probably like five or six takes of each, like, layer of each. um,
0: What's the word I'm looking for?
1: You know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: each vocal part. Yeah, yeah. Track.
1: So mm -hmm. So I did... And they're all stacked. So that's why that also why it sounds so full. And I actually do that a lot in my background vocals. The minimum for me is like three per, per, um, line or three per note that I'm singing.
0: Yeah, no. And I mean, the, the production on this, it, it stands up with, you know, any, anything that's out there. I think it sounds amazing. Um, You know, you should be you should be. Yeah, you should be really, really proud of that. Um, Like I said, the the, the, just the vocal uh, quality, um, the just the tone of, of everything is crystal clear. It just sounds punchy. It sounds crisp. And it sounds it sounds modern. But it's interesting, you know. I'm am a little older than you, and I I hark back to hearing stuff. My my parents are really big into Motown, and and of course the late '70s, early '80s, and stuff. Just dance music and stuff. This this has like a a, a quality. Uh, an older sense. And I was reading in your bio, how you say you're an old soul. I mean, you don't sound like you're 25 when you sing. I, I, I don't mean that in any way weird. <laughs> <It laughs> no, just,
1: thank you. <laughs> no,
0: it has, it has a very mature quality to it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, I, again, like I was, I was saying that the, it, it sounds very modern, but at the same time, um, you know, there's there's something that, uh, that, that seems old to this to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I've always been an old soul. I've always been told that I was wise beyond my years. Um, I don't know where I get that from, honestly, but um, I was actually telling a story to somebody about how I was in camp when I was a kid, and there was a talent show, and I knew I wanted to sing since I was in preschool, and um, I got up and I sang Jill Scott. And nobody knew who Jill Scott was at nine years old in Swickley, Pennsylvania. Like, those kids had no idea. And they all started laughing at me. Because not only am I singing Jill Scott, but I always have had this, like, deep, soulful voice. And so the camp counselors, who were older, were, like, so impressed. But the kids were like, why does she sound like a dude?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! And you you don't want you don't want you don't want to sound like a dude when you're that young.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like I'm saying, let's take a long walk, and they're like, sing some Ashanti, like you know what I'm saying. So they were very unimpressed. It was somewhat discouraging, but I've always been that way. I've always loved that neo soul music, and um, yeah, Yeah. and also growing up in, in church and listening to gospel music.
0: That's the exact word you just took it out of my mouth. That neo soul. That's what this just sounds Mm -hmm. like, you know, like like soul. Like it it, it's timeless. Again, it sounds modern because of the production, but Mm -hmm. uh this sounds timeless. It sounds like something that could have could have been recorded this vocal in 1979. And and I mean that with with
1: thank you (laughs) with
0: with as much admiration as I can. It's 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 awesome. Um, we get into the chorus and um You know, there's some stuff in here that uh, I'm pretty sure I know what it's saying, but that's what I love about lyrics is they can be abstract and they can mean something else. But um, the first lyric in the chorus, if it's like that, go pack, then slide, boy, Mm -hmm. bye. So I'm assuming when I read that, if it's like that, go pack, it means get the hell out of here. Yeah, then, then slide, then bail. Bye. Yeah. See you later. Okay. Okay. Um, ain't, ain't keeping me up at night. I tried to give a little piece of mine. M-I-N-E, which I love the mm-hmm. play on words in, in a moment. Um, if it ain't facts, my bad. I'll ride. Boy, why? You keeping me up at night, I tried to get a little piece of mind, M-I-N-D, at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, was that play of words there when you first penned it? Or was that something you got up to the mic like, I'm going to change mine to mine the second time?
1: No, <laughs> I wrote that like that. Um, cool. And I mean, the pre-chorus, um, if, it, it's so weird because when I write songs, I write them it's like I'm narrating a, a music video or a movie or a play. Like genuinely, I have a very childish imagination in the best way. I know we're talking about being immature in the song, but <laughs> genuinely. Cool. Um, yeah. In, the, in the best way possible. Um, mm. And so the pre-chorus is actually, if you think about in a play where, or a musical where the main character, like the stage goes dark and there's a spotlight on them and, they're kind of bearing their soul. So that's what the, the pre, pre-chorus is meant to be like. Um, and that's part of my frustration because this is somebody that I, I love deeply. But even when I communicate how I feel or what I expect, and it's very simple, they're not meeting that. They're not, you know, holding up their end. And it's hurtful to me because it's like, if you only realized how much I care, if you only realized everything and anything that I would do for you, that love would have to reciprocate. How could it not? So then it goes into the chorus where the anger comes out. And it's like, all right, if it's not going to reciprocate, if you're not going to do this, go pack, then slide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And if you
1: think I'm wrong, I'll bounce. Like I I have no problem, but it it needs to reciprocate. Um, Yeah. And then the peace of mind is, I'm giving you a piece of myself. I'm making sacrifices to enhance your life, which in return will enhance our lives. And um, the second part, I tried to get a little peace of mind. I tried to talk about this. I tried to work it out. But If you're not going to work it out, if you're not going to make changes, then I'm not going to keep myself up worrying about this situation anymore.
0: Yeah, then then I need to move on. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. The, the second verse now, it, it uh, uh, you know, of course, has the, the ain't too grown pretty much every line and it switches with might be grown, the second line. But um, it says, ain't too grown to get corrected, might be grown, but you ain't perfection. Ain't too grown to learn a lesson, might be grown, but you'll get neglected. Um, mm-hmm. Set that up for us.
1: Yeah, so that part, like I said earlier, um, that part is talking directly to them. So about them, that person, um, and saying, basically, I know that you're an adult. You're a little bit older than me, but I will tell you about yourself, and you will, <laughs> you will get corrected. Um, you're not perfect. There are things that I'm not happy with that needs to be worked on, and like if you if it doesn't happen, then you're gonna lose me you'll get neglected and I I always say that in my relationships because um, <laughs> I, I do like to voice my opinion and when I'm upset about something having gone through a relationship where I became somewhat submissive out of fear of you know hurt like hurting their feelings or anything like that or out of fear of losing them because I thought it was impolite like I was saying earlier so now I when I'm feeling upset about something, I'm not going to like scream at the person, but I am going to say, Hey, I didn't appreciate this. And in this particular situation, it was like, it was always an argument. It was always a fight. And, um, so I always said, you know, be worried when I stop bringing things to your attention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. When they, when, when I when start they get, ignoring silent.
1: You, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you get the silent treatment, that's when the Oh shits go off. Uh, Oh, Yep. <laughs> the um the line here, and this is what again, what I love about lyrics. When I read this, and, and actually when I was listening to it, I thought this was from first person. The last line here uh, in the second verse might be grown, but you'll get neglected. Like I myself, you know, I might be grown, but I'll get neglected. But you, you were referencing your boyfriend that mm-hmm. you'll get neglected from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, okay. I
1: probably sound like a horrible person. I'm no, really no, nice. No, no,
0: no, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I just, I again, that's uh, that's why I'm, I, lo- I love to get into the lyrics uh, because you, you, it's fascinating to know where somebody else is coming from because you could read, and that's why everybody, they get a different emotional take from a song. 30 people can listen to the same song and I'll get something different out of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's why I try to write too in a general Way. I I think about writing songs as far as lyrics are concerned, similar to tarot cards um, in the sense that they give you a a general, you know, um, a general like outline or answer. And then it's up to the reader or the listener to interpret it, to interpret it to their own intuition, to their own feelings. Like we all have that voice within us that tells us what's really going on or how we feel. And there's always something on the outside that makes it click and makes us interpret things in the way that we want to hear them. Does that make sense? So I try to keep my music general so that the listener can hear what they want and take away from the song what they want or what they need at that time.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely, you know, generalities here that but throughout, but the, there is some stuff that I want, I, I, I pointed out that I just didn't know and that you cleared mm-hmm. up about like the neglected line. Like I thought that was you talking first person. It's like, no, that's that's the SOB boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool, you know, because uh, I didn't I didn't take that away from from that line. Um, from there, it goes back uh, into the breathy part. We'll call it the pre-chorus, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is the same uh, as the first pre-chorus. And then it goes back into the chorus, um, where you're where you're telling them to to pack up and bail if if that's the way things are going to be. Um, and it's not a double chorus; it's just uh, uh, the same uh, length as the first chorus. And then mm-hmm. we go to go to uh, what I would call an outro, which is basically the verse, and you just repeat twice: "Ain't too grown, might be grown." Um, and then it kind of just, kind of just fades out from there. Although, and I wanted to ask you about something when I went and looked at your live video of the song where you're standing in the stairwell, um, at the very end, and just, this is out of curiosity. Um, you only say ain't too grown might be grown one time at the end. Was there a reason for that? Was the, was that before the song was recorded? Probably not. Cause you recorded the song. No, first.
1: Yeah. If I'm honest, that, that was the empty space project. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's that what it was. That was, yeah. um, it was so cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm I, not seeing another line. Get me the hell out of here. Literally,
1: it was so cold that day that between, it, it was actually such a frustrating day. And I tried to be, you know, I, I was a good sport about it because it was such a cool opportunity. And I was so grateful, but it was freezing. And it took so long in between takes, um, to you know just keep going so i wasn't i couldn't like stay or get warmed up because it was so cold <laughs> and funny. i couldn't hear myself whatsoever because i didn't have headphones so i didn't hear what i sounded like until it was done
2: hey this is dewey Halpus, host of peer pleasure on the sound talent media podcast network join me each week as i explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians actors comedians or creatives from Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gourley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from NoFX and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, peer pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.
0: Oh, well, it, sound, it sounds great, and it's funny you should say that, because at the end, the I'm assuming they're the producers that were on the set. They were like, no, that was it. That was really good. I think we got it that time. And they and everyone seemed overly excited, probably because you all wanted to get out of there. <laughs> it, was freezing.
1: Yeah, it was freezing. And I towards the end, I was like, hey, guys, I'm sorry to be like this, but can we please, like, because they would want to look at everything right after. And I was like, can we please just maybe do, like, three or four in a row and then look at things? Because... It's really cold right now. And I feel bad. I mean, for me, vocally, it was difficult. But I was thinking about um, my bass and, and keys player and how their fingers had to be, like, frozen and made it hard for them to play.
0: Well, I'm going to send you a space heater for next time, okay? I think
1: you need yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wouldn't... so cool. We, we just wanted to, like, get through it because we were really excited about it. But we were definitely like, damn, that was... That was cold. Yeah, as well, hell. I, I
0: i wouldn't I wouldn't have known the vo- The vocal performance sounds great. It sounds Thank awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I had noticed that because, like I said, I listened. I listened to this uh, uh, many times, and I noticed. Wait a second, she only said "ain't too grown" might be grown once at the end. Why didn't she repeat that? And you're like, I need to get out of here. It is yeah, crazy. I was cold. <laughs> um, that makes sense
1: because it was an old, it was an abandoned <laughs> um, uh, warehouse, and it was actually warmer outside. Well, no, the sun wasn't coming in or anything, so.
0: Well too, a lot of times when you, when you write songs and I know this I, you know I, I'm in a band and, and I'll write songs that you know that, that end up getting recorded and you'll you'll change them live you know for whatever mm-hmm. reason and in this case, I'm thinking maybe she changed it because the you know now that you told me about how fast the recording went, maybe you're like, yeah, it should have only been once it shouldn't have been twice so that's why oh, I yeah. brought that up. It um, is
1: different live though when I sing it, I change it up a bit i do I think it's better when things sound different than how they are recorded. It's like a unique experience for those who attend the show.
0: How many uh, people are in the, in the live band?
1: It is just um, myself, four of us, myself, Alan Bell on drums, Denzel Chismar Oliver on bass and Remy Vega on keys. Sometimes um, I'll have Feral cat who's saxophone player. He also plays flute um, play with us too but typically it's
2: the four of us. Yeah.
0: Do you you guys run any tracks besides that or just the four of you? you Oh no, no, no.
1: It's just us.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple more things I wanted to touch on. Uh, when I was reading your bio, I I saw some very interesting similarities and parallels uh, with you. And, um, you know, I got a, got a few years on you. I've, uh, been in the music business for, uh, Geez, I don't know if I should say this longer than you've been alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was reading, it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, here's a 25 year old lady that from from Pittsburgh that I totally see these parallels. And the, the first one um, was you stress the importance of family um, and growing growing up with music in the home. Uh, Mm -hmm. I came from a household that was just my mom and dad are musicians and it was just encouraged. It was part of our life. We would sing in the car. It was every day we were entrenched in music. Um, Tell me a little bit about that with having, having music in the home.
1: So I had a a very unique upbringing. Um, My mother passed away when I was about five years old. Um, And I can remember she sang, I don't remember what her voice sounded like. Apparently there are some, recordings or videos of her singing in church that I would love to hear, but my family can't find them. But I've Uh been told that she sounded like a mixture of like Whitney Houston and Alicia Keys, which sounds crazy to me. So I'm like, I need to hear this. But, um, so I got, I got my gift from her, but my, she was black. My dad is white. My dad listened to mostly country music. So I grew up, on like Travis Trait and Willie Nelson and like Toby Keith, that Willie Nelson and Toby Keith album. Um, the one song was it whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. Right. That was my jam. And then uh, I forget who the singer, is it Charlie Daniels who did the, the devil went down to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That was also my jam. So during the week I was with my dad and my sister listening to that kind of music, but on the weekends, I would be with my aunt um, or my grandmother on my mother's side. And that's where I would hear the, you know, Fred Hammond gospel music or Kirk Franklin gospel music and Jill Scott and um, Alicia Keys, Erica Badu, D'Angelo, um, Robin Thicke, and, you know, all of these kind of underground up and coming artists common. Uh-huh. So I had a really diverse you know,
0: music. Well, I would say you don't expression. get much, you don't get much more opposite end of the spectrum than Charlie Daniels yeah. or Whitney Houston. I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> that but that's, that's I actually awesome. sang
1: the national anthem when I was in ninth grade before a Charlie Daniels concert.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah. That, but that's, cool. it's, it's, it's so cool though, to have an open, Musical palette like that, though, to be open minded because mm-hmm. you know just as much as you can pull an inspiration from a Destiny's Child song. I'm sure that there's been times when you've been writing either lyrics or you're singing something. You're like, ooh, there's a little Charlie Daniels in that, or there's a little Willie Nelson yeah. in that. <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. There's you-
1: nothing. They are great. Like I listen to the one song. I think it is the most, like, one of the most genius lyrics or lyrical you know experiences that i've ever heard and it's um that one song redneck woman Some people look down on- Uh that song whoever wrote that song i don't know is it gretchen wilson who sings it um whoever wrote those lyrics is a g they are so smart and they're so clever and that is one of my um although I, i i wouldn't say that i'm a huge country fan i can appreciate it and i am a fan of those lyrics that country music is lyrically some of the best music that i've listened to i love it yeah, it's about, it,
0: it's some of the most descriptive lyrics ever is, is, is country mm-hmm. for, for sure. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple more parallels. Uh, you were very big into basketball and sports and I was mm-hmm. into baseball. You talk about how you may have, uh, you were maybe going to play in college. Uh, and then the one college you went, you were going to go to, they stated that if you quit, you would lose your scholarship. Um, and so you went with, uh, another college that, uh, they, uh, you, you played for a couple weeks and then, and then you ended up uh, dropping out, but you were able to keep your scholarship. Um, uh, I didn't play ball in college, but I, I was close. I, uh, played all through high school. And then at some point music just superseded anything sports related. And you kind of talk about that in your bio, how music just became just this all encompassing thing.
1: hmm Yeah. So, um, I feel really bad, <laughs> but, uh, I There was no money for me to go to college, um, and I wasn't a good student. Um, I struggled in school. I mean, especially towards later in my high school when I had a job and then I also played sports. There was, there was no time. I feel so bad for kids these days because it starts even earlier. There's no time to do it all and be good at it all, but then you're expected to be. So um, I caught kind of like the beginning of that. And so it was, I got my first full ride offer to a division two school for basketball when I was a junior in high school. Um, I didn't sign. Um, I wanted to wait obviously and and see, because if you division two, it was an athletic scholarship. So if I quit, like we said, I would lose that scholarship. But then I got some division three offers and division three, they're not allowed to give out sports scholarships. So they essentially like find you and help you through the whole scholarship or um with like funding uh, assistance like process and basically find you the most random things and you kind of get priority because you're going to be an athlete which sounds horrible but it's it's the truth and i think we all know that so i i had some division two offers that were full ride books and everything but I always wanted to do music, and I never got to. I, I was shy about it. I was scared to, you know, be myself in a place like Swickley. There wasn't many people that looked like me or were in my financial situation. So I saw college as a way for me to finally be able to be myself and not feel, not like feel ashamed of it. Not because I personally felt ashamed, but because I was shamed by others. So, well,
0: and, and, and good for you. I just want to, want to say, you know, the fact that you didn't get good grades, you really didn't like school, but you knew that, you know, if I want to quote unquote, be something or change my life, I have to go to college, which is to have mm. that insight at that young of an age is, is, is incredible. Uh, I told you, you, man,
1: old soul. I was like <laughs> in ninth grade and my friends would be like, and this was what people don't understand is that I had planned that since I was like in seventh grade, since I started playing basketball. So friends would ask me to hang out and I'd be like, no, I can't. I got to, I got to practice, Well, you just have practice. No, I have to get to college. You don't understand. I have a plan.
0: <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> awesome. That's, that, so, that's awesome. And that drive is, is, is going to do you wonders in life. That's, that's good for you. Um, thank you. you, you had mentioned a moment ago about, you know, but you were so shy and that's where I, that, this is where the, the comparisons, uh, the parallels between you and I stop. Uh, you talk about <laughs> how, you, how, how you were shy. Yeah. You have stage fright. Um, I was the complete opposite. I was just the class clown. I loved being in front of people. I loved all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it talks, of, you talked about uh, in the bio uh, that you played all over Pittsburgh in 2018, 2019 to get over your stage fright. And you really had, that's something you really had to, uh, to work at.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something that I had to force myself to do. And I, I would be so scared, like shaking, sweating, feeling like I was going to throw up, feeling like I was about to cry, probably up until like 2019. Yeah. It was, it took me a while and I just, I wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep getting better. And then it somehow developed into, you know, going from basement shows in Pittsburgh where I'm booked with all guys, all rappers to me singing at a nice restaurant like Eddie V's with jazz musicians. And like, to me, that's a huge compliment because I haven't had voice lessons and I don't know how to read music. And I, I couldn't tell you what key I sing in. So the fact that I was invited to sing with such talented musicians and I know who they are, I know who they play with. I know where they play. Um, and the fact that they reached out to me and wanted me to be a part of that and then Eddie V's asked me to bring my band and us to sing there like that was that was a crazy beautiful moment for me the first time I sang at Eddie V's in Pittsburgh I actually started crying before I went on but this time like tears of joy because when I was a little girl um you know you, you play you know life or house or whatever when you're a kid dramatic play and I was a waitress and a teacher and a singer and I went to school for early childhood education and special education I'm currently working full-time at a YMCA as a child care coordinator and then at night when I would play I sang in these jazz clubs and lounges and it would be super intimate and you know moody lighting things like that and I've sing in Eddie, Eddie V's and it was moody lighting, lounge vibes, small group of people, bar, very, you know, high class. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a teacher by day. I am singing in a nightclub at night and I actually still work at a restaurant (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) And I was like, I didn't even realize that I made all of my dreams come true. And the only reason I liked working in a restaurant was to write down people's orders. I just loved like, getting those fake checks as a kid and stuff and like handing it out to my stuffed animals. So it's just crazy how things you visualize as a child, if you do it consistently, what you can accomplish like through your life and not even even realize that you're trying to do it,
0: you just do it. Yeah. You've uh, accomplished your calling. That is, that is so cool. Um, you know, right now, uh, nobody is, is able to, uh, to tour, so to speak, but, um, do you have any futures or uh, uh, future plans to, to take this out on the road and tour or anything?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, sadly before this all happened, I was actually setting some things up and we had been booked in New York, LA, Seattle, DC. Uh, we were going back to Chicago. We were going back to Philly so there were things that were that were bubbling. I had just gotten my first headlining spot at the main stage at Smalls. Like Things were were starting to move forward. And I, I'm so grateful for where I work um, because they were so supportive. And they still are. They're so supportive of my music. And I remember my boss being like, Sierra, this is the year you're going to leave us and go on tour. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm happy for
0: you. Aw, well... <laughs> Hopefully this clears up sooner and later and you can get, you can get back out to do that. Um, you know, we're going to wrap up here. I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time out and uh, speaking to us. Uh, my producer, Chris um, is from Pittsburgh and uh, he kept telling me about you. He just said, you got to hear this, this, this person's songs you got to. And uh, he just talked you up and I, I listened to the track grown and I love it. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you're able to make some time to, to talk to us. Uh, yeah, Thank is, you for having me. No problem. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Uh t- Tell them how they can find you on social media, where to find your music on streaming sites, etc. Uh, plug away.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, social media, you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram. So if you just search Sierra sellers on Instagram or Twitter, you can find me and you can find my music on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp camp, um, all of them. I just click all when I distribute my music. So um, I have a bunch of stuff on YouTube. I have some things that I'm working on that shows you, little bit more behind the scenes with my band and I. So thank you so much again for having me and giving me this opportunity to share my experiences and my music. So grateful for that. Thank you. You're part of making my dreams come true.
0: Oh, that means a lot and uh, nothing but uh, the best of luck to you. Wish you wish you all the best. And I hope hope to see you live someday.
1: Thank you. I hope so, too.
0: (laughs) All right, Sierra. Thank you. Hey, what's
2: up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up and coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast.
0: As we near the end of the show,
2: here's a band you might not know.
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know, where each week I will preview a select band of my choice that you may or may not know. If you'd like your band to be previewed on Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. All I ask for is a good quality recording of a song you feel best represents your band. And today's uh, featured band is Faintest Idea uh, from the East Anglian region of Great Britain. Um, These guys take the bouncing beat of two-tone ska uh, and smash it over the head with fast angry uk punk uh i'm hearing the specials here mixed with uh voodoo close skulls and skank a pickle horn lines with a touch of op ivy uh this stuff is killer these guys are great Uh, you can find their music uh, on spotify and uh, here's a snippet of their track stomp them down The with Chris and Chris.
2: So I absolutely loved that episode. I think it may have been my personal favorite because it was cool to hear you talk to somebody outside of the world of rock. All of your guests so far have been, whether they were in the punk rock and skull world or just rock in general, it was all rock music. So it was cool to hear somebody from outside of that world. You know, Chris, yeah, I, I, uh, I just... I like a good
0: song. <laughs> I like a good story. I really don't care what, uh, what genre it is. And I, 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 hope the listeners feel that way. I was, uh, fascinated by, by Sierra's story. And, you know, I got to ask you, I know we talked a little bit about it when you had initially brought her up to be on the show, but, um, you know, she's a Pittsburgh native where you're from. How did you
2: initially hear, hear about Sierra? Uh, It was my buddy and Punchline bandmate, Steve, who told me, hey, you got to check out this. It was the NPR Tiny Desk concert. Uh, It was her entry for that. And she had like an amazing performance, which I'm going to post in our Facebook group and and stuff so people can see. Um, He knows I love R&B music and he knows me and him both know when we hear an artist or a band, we know when the other guy's really going to like that. And so he sent it to me and I was like, yep, you're right. I love this. And, uh, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, but but I haven't got to see her play live yet. But now I'm, I'm a huge fan. So that's why I told you about her. I think that she has a real shot of becoming more than just a Pittsburgh artist, but known nationally and internationally. She has an amazing voice. I love her songs. Uh, and, you know, I love all styles of music, and R and B is a personal favorite. No, and she's her voice is amazing, and you know the. (laughs) <laughs> who
0: knows what could happen uh, with her career. I mean, we've seen in this business, you just never know. And the the great thing I want to let our listeners know, Chris had, had brought her up to me and said, look, I want to get her on Chris to makes a podcast and say we, you know, say we had her first before she blows up. And uh, I thought that was a, a really cool angle to, to give someone a shot uh, in a sense. And, and I just, I, I really love the song. I genuinely thought it was a great song. Her voice is amazing. And she had a great story. There was a lot of parallels uh, between uh, her upbringing and music and her family uh,
2: uh with mine that, that i thought was fascinating as well right yeah that was really cool and you know i love a song that's based around a bass groove <laughs> for sure, for sure, no, and uh,
0: it was really cool how, how she talked about how, you know, she had the the other guys, her production team essentially, come up with this groove, and that uh, she wrote her lyrics uh, based around that, and it just goes to show you that everybody uh, comes from songwriting at different angles, and that's what I what I love about it. I love that no two people write, uh, write a song the
2: same way. It's great. Right, and once again, we talk about this all the time, but it wasn't a song that, that she had spent a lot of time uh, thinking and, and agonizing over the lyrics. It was what came to her naturally. And I think that is just a running theme on this podcast. Week to week, we're hearing that time and time again, where people go with their natural instinct. And, you know, songs are written quickly that way. And uh, I know, Sierra, it was was a few hours and this song was, you know, written and and recorded. And uh, I think that makes for a great song when you don't overthink it. It does, and that that human emotion
0: uh, that we all have that that resonates that resonates with people, and that's why uh, those songs seem to to work the best. And that was really cool that uh, she she talked about that, and and it came from a point where she was uh, not very happy with her boyfriend, <laughs> which uh, which definitely right. can <laughs> help from a lyrical standpoint.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Everybody can relate to those type of relationship songs. I know there's a lot of them out there and there's going to continue to be a lot of them because when it all comes down to it, yeah, you could be thinking about your job. You could be thinking about the world, but it's those in inner inner sort of feelings and, and personal things that everyone's always going to latch onto and relate to. And I'm always going to love a great relationship or a love song.
0: Yeah. You know, and I just, I want to thank our listeners. Most of you guys are really open-minded and I, I thank you for that. Uh, a lot of you know me from the punk and ska background, but the fact that you're giving, uh, other artists, uh, a chance on the show is, is great because I don't just want to be pigeonholed. I just want to talk to people that write great songs and your feedback and the, uh, podcast group on facebook has has been amazing and, and most of you are, have been receptive to, ha- to having artists that you you may or may not know and uh and i thank you for that
2: yeah it's been really cool to see people say like oh i hadn't heard the bomb pops or i hadn't heard bayside which you know it's strange to me that people hadn't heard those bands but those are two that i saw people comment like i, I hadn't listened to them before and then they listen to the podcast and now they're fans and uh i think we're going to get some of those with sierra as well And, uh, I think it was another great episode as I often say, um, (laughs) otherwise in other business, uh, we got, uh, just a little bit of time left on the charity for this month, which is big brothers, big sisters of the Laurel region. And you guys have been very generous and amazing so far. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, each month for
0: those uh, listeners that don't know, we're doing a charity. It's going to run for uh, four weeks during that month. So the September charity was the Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Laurel region, which is uh, in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And you guys have been, like Chris said, just so generous. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, It's been a slow year for a lot of charitable organizations because of everything that's gone on. And uh, all the donations and and proceeds are going to go to great causes. We want to thank you very much. And uh, we'll be rolling out uh, another charity charity in a couple weeks and uh, be on the lookout for that and you know I'd like to uh, also thank each and every one of you out there who has hit me up for one-on-one video consultations I've been producing and a lot of songs collaborating uh, on your songs with you uh, with just uh, individuals and with uh, uh, more than one person band members sitting in on the on the zoom uh, live one-on-one sessions and, and they've been great so I want to work on your song with you I want you to take your song till the 11th hour get it as far as you can bring it to me and uh, I like to tighten the screws on it and, and uh, hopefully make it uh, make it even a little bit better so if you'd like more information on that please write me at kristamakes at gmail.com and uh, yeah we'll we'll get we'll get cracking on uh, one of your songs
2: hell yeah man I hope everybody loved this week's episode like I did and if anyone wants to contribute to this month's charity you can go to Chris. To makes Absolutely. We can't wait to see you till next week. Thanks for listening. See you then. Hello out there. Yes. Hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McClain together. We host none, but to brave a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street band are on tour right now for the first time in six years. And we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our biweekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nemo the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further <laughs> on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.